When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to another ambitiousentrepreneurnetwork.com podcast. The voice for entrepreneurs and small business. Now, onto the show. Are you frustrated and confused about how to attract new clients? Nothing you have done is working and you're tired of waiting for the phone to ring. Imagine learning the tips and tools that will help you get noticed and booked by your ideal client and paid what you're worth for your amazing services. Now's the time to make your dream a reality and the Ambitious Entrepreneur Show will teach you how. Now, over to your host, Anne-Marie Cross. Welcome, this is episode 211 and I'm your host, Anne-Marie Cross, the podcasting queen. Have you heard it said that Australian manufacturing is dead? Well, according to a recent article published on successful.com.au, the manufacturing here in Australia is anything but dead. In fact, it's been growing steadily over the past two years and in the past 12 months was the second highest growth sector in the Australian economy. Joining me on today's show is Ray Keith. Ray is an electronics engineer who wants to create new electronics manufacturing opportunities in Australia because he believes that's the way to boost the entire economy. Now, to do so, he started Successful Endeavours and he's providing R&D services to Australian electronics manufacturers. On today's show, Ray's going to share, to be successful at business, you have to be competent at running a business. Because business is way more about money. Yes, it does need to be profitable. He's going to teach you that you need resources to make a difference. But if it's just about the money, that's not a good enough reason to pour yourself into it, as well as encouragement. He believes life is a non-zero sum game. And he believes that even the smallest person can change the world. And that's Ray's favorite Lord of the Rings quote. Welcome to the show, Ray. Thanks, Anne Marie. I'm a uh, huge Lord of the Rings fan as well, and oh, it's a fantastic show. Absolutely. It's also a really good example of the kind of problems that we often face in life where it just looks too big and it looks too difficult and it looks like nobody can really, you know, fix this. Yes. And yet what happens is with time and determination and vision, um, then, you know, unlikely people can actually come through with the most amazing solutions. Yeah, absolutely. Now, one of the things that you were sharing in in an article that you wrote on your website, successful.com.au, the manufacturing industry has been growing strongly over the past two years and in the last 12 months was the highest growth or the second highest growth sector in Australian economy. That's exciting because often in the news and other media, we're hearing the exact opposite, but you, you're involved in this, you are you know got your finger on the pulse. It's exciting that things are bubbling along and growing in this industry. Yeah, that's right. The manufacturing in Australia took a pretty big hit during the GFC where we had about a 30% drop. And so we didn't really recover from that until about 2015. Um, but what really happened in that shakeup is a lot of businesses that really didn't have a future uh, kind of worked that out and decided to get out. Mm. What's happened since then is we've had um, a lot more opportunities be created. So whether it's 
the Internet of Things, which is uh, meaning that we need a whole new technology base to start to manage our resources better, manage our cities better, uh, or whether it's uh, making sure that we've got reliable power, uh, we've got clean water, that waste is being managed properly. All of these areas are generating a huge amount of opportunity and some of the people that we do products for in that space are heavily exporting as well. Yeah, it's exciting. It certainly is exciting. And so you're at the coalface of this and your business itself is very, very successful and you really want to share some tips around how we can be more successful in our business. And one of the things that we that, that you're going to share today is to be successful at business, you really have to be competent at running a business. Speak more into this. Yeah, so if we roll back 10 years, We'd been running our business for nine years at that point, uh, and we were still a home-based business, and it was paying for itself, mm -hmm. but I wasn't making the difference I wanted to make, and I didn't know what to do about that, which meant that actually the problem was that I had no idea how to grow a business. Mm. Uh, one of my jokes from that era is, as a business owner, I made a very good engineer. Yeah. <laughs> because all of my training is technical. Mm. And so, you know, I had that part down pat. And so uh, my wife, Jeanette, and I own and run the business together. So we went looking for a business coach, mentor, advisor, a training course we could do. Mm -hmm. And we found that there's not much around, particularly for if you're a small business and you don't want to take a year off to actually do an MBA or something like that. There yeah. really isn't much around. So it took us a while to find someone. And so we eventually found a business mentor, coach and advisor in Sydney mm -hmm. uh, and started uh, an 18-month journey of getting our act together uh, in terms of understanding business principles. Mm -hmm. uh, six months into that journey, we rebranded the business and we moved into commercial premises. Not that we had the clients to afford it or anything like that. And this is actually in the middle of the GFC. So wow. we're talking about 2009 here. Mm -hmm. um, but because... We realized that from a marketing perspective, we needed to look like what our clients expected us to look like yes. as far as the business goes. Mm -hmm. And so it's been just all up since then. So my other joke out of that period is I've been involved in two startups. <laughs> it was the same company. We just did it properly the second time. Wow. Yeah. So if you set yourself up for success, that means you've got to manage the risks and one of the risks you've got is incompetence. Whether mm -hmm. we like it or not, Australia has an extremely measurably low rate of management competence. And I was one of those people. So yes. this is a skill you can learn. This is quite teachable, it's quite learnable. The principles apply across any business type. What you do in different business types to execute it will vary, mm -hmm. but the principles themselves are pretty straightforward. And having been doing this now, so, Nine months after we did all of that, we won Casey Business of the Year. And since then, we've been Melbourne Southeast Small Business of the Year, and we've won a host of awards at the national level for the technical side of the business as well. Wow. Let's talk about just some of those principles. I mean, obviously, we're not able to dive deeply into that, and for everyone really needs to go out and get a support mentor, a coach, and that as well to support them. But what were some of the key principles that you learned that you didn't know previously, but that you can see really were foundational in, how, in helping you take your business to the next level and, and has been ever since? Yeah, so the first principle is that the thing that you suck at the most will set the level that your business can operate at. And the analogy I use for this is if those old wooden buckets with the vertical 
wooden palings on the sides of them like you see in the Jack and Jill type cartoons. Yes. The amount of water a bucket like that can hold is dependent on the shortest pail on the side of it. Yeah. And you can do anything you like to the other pails to try and make them longer, but you won't be able to hold any more water in that bucket until you fix the short one. So we were a technical business and I'd been trying hard to keep upskilling technically to do all that sort of stuff. So I was, if you like, fixing that problem, mm -hmm. but not fixing the problem that was holding us back. So the lens that we now look at our business through has nine different areas. Mm -hmm. So the first one is the issue of branding and positioning. Yes. So if you don't brand something, and all branding means really is to give it a recognizable characteristic that the marketplace can see and can understand. So in our case, it was having a logo that made sense. It was having appropriate livery and color schemes associated with our communications that were consistent and made sense. Mm -hmm. And it was having a message for the market that was actually speaking into our vision. Because I'm trying to change the economy. Yeah. One of the reasons picking on manufacturing is that for every one job that's raised in manufacturing, there are five jobs raised around it in other industries to support it. And that's because you have to have accountants and lawyers and cleaners and you've got to get office products and you've got to have couriers and transport and coffee trucks and milk bars and all those sort of things around manufacturing ventures. Mm. And and so if you want to build the economy faster, it's it's the place to start. And the other the other statistic out of that era is that for every dollar that's spent in a business like mine, with a successful product, it will generate $100 worth of downstream economic value to the rest of the economy. Terrific. So I, yeah, so I position my business at what I consider to be the highest leverage point mm -hmm. in the economy for what we're doing. So that's the first two principles. You have to brand things, and then once you've branded them, then you have to position them in the market. Yes. Uh, and so we've decided that we are going to support the SME sector. So we're not after the big multinationals. We're not after the big corporates. They only generate 1% of the employment in Australia anyway. Um, we're after the, the smaller businesses and the fledglings and the businesses that are trying to get off the ground. And we want to bring to them an incredibly good value proposition yes. that allows them to get a world-class product at a price tag they can actually afford. And there are six other companies in Melbourne that are quite a bit larger than mine who are looking after the multinationals and the big corporates quite nicely. Terrific. Now, that's the second part is where is our position in the marketplace? So we are, if you like, at the upper end of the lower part of the market. Mm -hmm. So we're acting to be – so we're a premium supplier in the really sharp end of the market. In terms of that, you've then got to have pricing policy that makes sense. Mm. So – if I was to pick up an iPhone and hand it to you and I say, okay, here is an iPhone. It's brand new. It's from the factory. It's a genuine Apple iPhone. There's nothing wrong with it. It's ready to go. It's all yours. It's $35. Hmm. The first thought that would go through your head is there's something wrong here. <laughs> that's right. And that's because the value proposition offered and the price offered don't make sense. Yeah. So one of the things we had to do was put our prices up so that they matched what we we're offering. Because mm -hmm. uh, I'd always thought it was a sales was about price and if I kept the price really low, it's going to be easier to sell. Yeah. But if the price doesn't make sense to the buyer, they're still not going to buy even unless they really do understand that it's a bargain. So we doubled our prices and our revenue went up by a factor of three. 
There you go. Not only did we sell more each sale, but we actually got more orders because <laughs> our price went up. Yeah. Um, so there's that bundle of stuff there. So I break this up into sort of three chunks. The other area is um, prospecting uh, sales and channels. Mm -hmm. So uh, there are people out there who are candidates for buying your services or your products, whatever it is you're doing, mm -hmm. and those are prospects. And what you have to do is somehow get their attention. And that's quite hard today. There's a lot of noise. Mm -hmm. And so prospecting requires you to understand where your potential customers are, who you actually want as a customer, because you can't have everyone. The one message won't work for everyone. So you've actually got to have, rather than have a really poor message aimed at everybody, you're much better off to have a really strong and clear message aimed at a small subset of the economy. Yes. Because that can cut through the noise. You're going to have to back yourself a bit with this stuff as well. So you're going to have to make a strong enough statement that people will want to have a go at you and say, are you sure you can really deliver on that? Um, so as an example, our unique selling proposition is we make electronics and embedded software work the way they should, saving you up to two out of every $3 you otherwise would have wasted. Mm. So you can manufacture your market-leading product in Australia at a profit. So that's a really strong statement. Mm. And what I want people to do when they hear that is go, Ray, how on earth can you claim that? And then we can have a conversation about what we're trying to do, how we go about it, what the results have been for other people. Um, and they can start to come to grips with the ideas that we are actually offering something extraordinary mm. and work out whether that's for them or not. Because at the end of the day, marketing is just explaining who you are so the other person gets it. So they can make a genuinely informed decision about whether they want that or not for themselves. Mm-hmm. So it's not selling ice to Eskimos and it's not convincing people to pay enormous amounts of money for stuff that isn't really that valuable. And it's not this modern idea of you know digital startups where you want to get as much money out of other people as possible while delivering as little value as you can get away with. Yeah. I mean, a fair and reasonable exchange of value is the underlying principle. You also have to be able to sell. And selling really is just listening to other people understanding them, having a clear idea of what you can bring to the table for them, and then having a conversation around that. Yeah. So, yeah. And so sales is quite easy when you take the pressure off having to close a deal and you actually put the focus on, how can I help this person? Mm. Can I help this person? And if I can, what can I do for them? And so I have a very simple sales process. There's three questions. First question is, are you any good? And so, for instance, we've won a lot of awards. That helps with the are you any good question in, in the prospect's minds. Mm -hmm. The second question is, is this going to be a good experience for both of us? Because it's really difficult to deliver great results for somebody that you're really not getting along with. Yes. And not everybody gets along with everybody. So it's silly to believe that, you know, any combination of, you know, of customers and sellers are, are just going to click every time. And then the third one is whether this is the best use of that amount of money. So price should come third in the conversation. The first question is, should we even should we even be talking to each other? Mm. The second question is, okay, do we think we could work together? And then the third one is, do we think there's a business case then that we can bind together? So if you can get past those three questions, then you've got a sale. And then the third part of it is really about how the business executes. 
So that's got what the technology you're using or you're supplying or you're delivering in it. It's got how you actually run the business in terms of the operation side of things. And there's a lot of stuff there uh, that we could go into if there was more time. Mm. And then there's the people that are involved in all of this. Yeah. And I consider my team to be my staff, all of my suppliers, all of my customers and everybody else in the economy trying to do the same thing that I'm doing. So I don't really think of myself as having competitors because those six businesses out there looking after the multinationals and the corporates, they're on my team changing yeah. the economy with me. Brilliant. And, you know, you can imagine when you now that you're share, you've shared those key areas and the principles and so forth that someone trying to build a business without knowledge and without systems, processes and foundations and upon which to grow, you can see why it's so difficult and why they continue to struggle. And now, of course, oh, as you absolutely. continue to grow your business, you might need to adopt some of these things to, to take on a larger, you know, client base and things like that. But the basic foundational things are in place. Is that what you're finding now as you're growing? Yeah, and the, the single biggest question, and I was having this conversation with someone this morning after the, the breakfast session at the Waterman Group, yes. is they are struggling to get clients. Mm -hmm. And when you dig into that a little bit, they actually don't know who they want as a client and they don't know what they want to offer them. Ah, uh, yeah. And so... Wow. So at the, <laughs> yeah. At, at the heart of it, they've got two questions to answer. Before they do anything else, the first question is, who are you going to be and what are you going to offer? And then who do you want to offer it to? If you can't answer those two questions, then you really can't build the rest of the picture because if you don't know the answer to those two questions, you don't know whether you can come up with an appropriate brand to encapsulate that. Mm -hmm. You don't know what message you're going to use to attract the right people because you don't know who the right people are yet. You don't know what price point you're going to try and operate at, whether you're going to be you know, a low-touch business or a high touch business, you don't know if you're going to try and do a small number of larger deals or whether you want a large number of smaller deals. Mm -hmm. um, you've really got no foundations at all. Yeah, absolutely. It's absolutely key. And as you said, one of those ties into the next. And that's why if you're trying to, you know, you're saying, well, I'm struggling with sales. Well, actually, the reason you're struggling is sales because you don't know who your ideal client is and the value offer. So if you don't know how on earth can you ask the right questions upon which to really build a conversation that at the end of that, that ideal client can see the value when can we start working? So it certainly makes sense. Ray, let's just go on to talking about businesses way more than money. Yes, it does need to be profitable uh, because you need the resources to make a difference. But if it's just about the money, then, you know, that may not just be a good enough reason to pour yourself into it. Speak a little bit more about this. Yeah, so the first thing to understand is where the idea that business is just about money comes from. So we get that from the institutional investors in the stock market who tell us that the purpose of a business is to maximise shareholder value. Mm. And so these are people who want more money because they've already got money. And yes, there is an argument that provision of finance has a value associated with it. There's no doubt about that, particularly in a place like Australia where we have very low access to finance for business. But if it's just about money, it's actually, for me, it's not a good enough reason. Uh, the Harvard Business School has this model called the Twin Pillars, mm. and it comes out of the American Captains of Industry program in the late 1800s, and it says all modern enterprise is driven by the twin pillars of greed and ruthless efficiency. Mm. 
Now, first of all, this is not a very inspiring or attractive model, but if you look in nature for something that resembles that, we find it in cancer. Wow. So what cancer does is maximizes its position in the system at the expense of the rest of the system, but the problem is eventually the system dies. Mm -hmm. And so if, we, if it's just transactional and it's just about money uh, and there's no vision and there's no inspiration behind it, then it, it's, we're actually headed down a very, very slippery path that's going to lead to, you know, the continued uh, the rich get richer and the poor get poorer until there's, you know, another kind of, you know, mad breakout of, you know, injustice anywhere threatens justice everywhere, the mm. Martin Luther King uh, quote that I really like. My preferred business model comes from a guy by the name of Aristotle. So we're talking, you know, 300 BC plus mm -hmm. um, ago, and he said the purpose of the organization is so that ordinary men and women in cooperation with each other can do the extraordinary. Mm, so that. for me, business is the modern partnership we have to work with each other to make the world a better place and to do it in cooperation with other people because it's just way too big a job for you to do on your own. You yeah. need help for the journey for the journey and so regardless of whether you're a for-profit and not-for-profit a government agency a religious organization whatever group you are in you you're working with other people to do something to achieve something mm. so in our case we're trying to revolutionize Australian manufacturing to the degree that we can what that means is stuff's got to happen in a lot of other buildings it can't all happen in my buildings so i have to help as many other people around me be successful as i can mm -hmm. in order for my vision to succeed but also it's a very easy vision for people to get on board with because um, manufacturing creates fundamental value you can't have a service sector unless you've got some value to lever off in the first place um, manufacturing also allows us to build i'm an engineer uh, you know one part of our ethos is that we create the infrastructure that makes tomorrow possible hmm. and so you know we're, we're trying to we're trying to do you know awesome things so that tomorrow is better than today yeah. I have grandchildren mm -hmm. I have grandchildren the question I ask myself is what are we going to leave them with as in terms of an economy and a society to continue to do this transformational process of making the world a better place on a day-by-day -day basis mm -hmm. Yeah. This and, also means that there's some clients I will never do work for. Mm -hmm. Oh, they're not clients. So, but so for instance, if the gambling industry came to me and said, Ray, can you design us? We'll give you millions of dollars to design a new machine. I wouldn't do it. Yeah. Because it's not making the world a better place. It doesn't fit with my purpose and my ethos. And because I'm running a successful business, I'm not desperate. And therefore, I can afford to say no to mm -hmm. things that are not in my value chain that just don't fit with who I am and who I want us to be. And, and I've had this discussion with people where, you know, they say, but if they offered you enough money, yeah, mm. but if they offered you, like, really lots of money, the, the idea there being that anyone's values are for sale at some point. That's right. Um, but it's just not true. No. Um, so no. there are fundamental principles that, that you have to be prepared to, to live with. So for me, business is the modern partnership for changing the world and doing it in cooperation with each other, and that means with people working inside your business with you, but it also means your business working with other businesses in partnership with each other, and and it's the vehicle that makes that possible. Mm. And and businesses have to be profitable, so you've got resources 
so that if something comes along and you see something where you really want to make a difference, you can invest mm -hmm. because you've got resources to do it with. We have a client at the moment where we're developing a good deal of the product for them at our expense because we believe in the market opportunity, but we also understand that they don't have the investment legs yeah. to get there on their own. Mm -hmm. And so we're going to take effectively a stake in the product and we're going to get a royalty from, from the back end stream of that. And so I have to believe that they can do their part of it, mm -hmm. but I know we can do our part of it. So, you know, we've partnered with them to, to bring to market something that couldn't have happened another way, but which is going to be a real game changer product for their company. And it really is, you know, from that win, win, win for all parties involved and not someone is going to miss out and lose out because of the fact that someone is win. And it was interesting because this point goes in beautifully with what you're talking about in a moment. I was listening to Simon Sinek today and he was talking about empathy and he mentioned exactly what you did. He said he laughs or when he smiles inside, when he hears CEOs and leaders of corporate when he asks them, you know, what is your main job? Well, to deliver and, and, and you know, solutions and outcomes for stakeholders. And, and our company said, well, actually, no, to do that, you're not providing an environment in which your team can collaborate and feel, you know, worthwhile. And, and it was just everything that you're saying is so true. And that's why in some organizations, unfortunately, when you've got leaders that only think of the bottom line to the detriment of their team and not understanding them, then yeah, the morale's down, performance is down, and it, it doesn't just impact those individuals, but the organization as a whole. Yeah, I, I agree. One, one of the other topics I teach on is innovation. Uh, mm. We're actually quite good at innovation in Australia. It's commercialization and collaboration are our struggle areas. Yes. Uh, for those who don't know the stats, we rank last in the world for oh. business to business collaboration. Wow. So, but because we're all in the environment together, we don't realize how much better it could be. Yes. So that's why quite often people who come here from overseas and start up businesses do better. Mm -hmm. is because they've come with a different ethos and they inherit, they come with the idea that you've just got to get as much help as you can get yes. to get things off the ground. And so, that, so they'll often do better, whereas our resourcefulness leads us quite often to try and do things that just aren't what we should be doing. So it's, it's almost like I really should get a professional in to fix this problem, but I've got some barbed wire here. I'll find some way to do it myself. <laughs> And then we'll spend an, an absolute fortune in time and effort mm. trying to deal with something that we could have just outsourced yeah. to someone who actually knows what they're doing. Mm -hmm. So the other side of it is to, for people to be really creative and to bring their best to the game, particularly in the thinking processes, you have to take fear off the table completely because mm -hmm. nothing consumes neurons faster and holds onto them longer than fear. So if you want them to bring their full brain along so that it can solve problems, then it's got to be okay to have a go at something and fail. Yes. I mean, what, what we do here is hard anyway. The likelihood we get everything 100% right first time, every time is a very low number. Um, so it's got to be okay for people to go, all right, a bit like the Edison thing. I've just learned 2,000 ways not to make a light globe. <laughs> yeah. um, hopefully we do it a little bit more efficiently than that, but it's got to be okay for, for there to be a screw up and people have got to be okay with putting up their hands and saying, hey, I need a hand here. I'm not really getting anywhere with this problem. Mm -hmm. Can I have some input from someone else? Yeah, yeah. 
Amazing. And when you know, when you talk about collaboration, I mean, there, there's no way that we can be experts and, and able to know everything about, you know, the think the key things that we need to know about to take our businesses to the next level. So if we can partner and collaborate with other people who, you know, companies who bring that expertise to the table, everyone can win. They can leverage their, their own zone of genius, if you will, and collaborate to, to, to just achieve far more than what they would be able to do on their own. It's sad that we don't realise that. Yeah, it is sad. The other side of it too is that we set the bar really low sometimes. Mm. And and I see this a lot sometimes with families. It's really sad that they've got kids who've got real potential, but nobody's really investing, you know, vision into mm-hmm. them. And so they just puddle along. You know, the schools are pretty hard-pressed at the moment because, uh, you know, teachers have enormous workloads. Yes. And so there's limits to how much contact time they can have with individual children or, or how much really vision, determination and sewing they can do. And if it's not happening at home, then where are they going to get it from? Mm. Uh, certainly uh, social media doesn't seem to be a great source of inspiration there for a lot of people. Oh, well, let's hope that maybe some of these kids can get hold of some podcasts where they can tap in to the wisdom, inspiration and insights of people who can, you know, speak into the lives and uh, open up that, that you know, spark of, well, maybe it's possible for me because once someone's aware of that and can get some of that inspiration, they certainly can start to take steps towards, hey, uh, maybe it is possible for me. Let's talk about encouragement. That's so important. And you say that you believe life is a non-zero sum game. Talk about this a little bit more. There's a number of ways of looking at life. One way is looking at it and say, the pie is this big. I've got this little slice. In order to have more of the pie, I've got to take some pie off somebody else. And since everybody else is trying trying to take my pie off me, I've got to hide my little slice (laughs) from all the predators out there. Mm. So that's one way of thinking about life. So that's That's the zero-sum game where for somebody else to have more, somebody else has to have less. Mm -hmm. The non-zero-sum game says the cake being this big is just the current limits in my mental thinking about what's happening here. And and if I think about this differently or if I look at it differently, then the cake could be 10 times this size. Mm -hmm. If I get the right people involved, the cake could be 100 times this size. And so... For me, the opportunities that you can create by synergy and by collaboration and by letting people who are really good at stuff actually do their jobs properly Mm -hmm. is I think we would be really, really surprised at how quickly a whole bunch of really important problems got solved if we actually allowed ourselves to do that. But because we're uncollaborative inherently, we don't really see that as an opportunity. I know sometimes we might look at Canberra and think, my goodness, but realistically they're just a caricature of or an obvious example of the lack of collaboration that's part of our culture as a whole Mm. they say you get the government you deserve and and to some degree in that area they reflect how the rest of us behave to a degree so if we can move away from that and start to see the people around us as potential partners and uh, potential helpers rather than just see them as competitors and people who want my money, then I think we start to do a lot better. But it takes time. I've been on this journey now for a fair while, and I can tell you that when Jeanette and I started our business education, uh, it took us a little while to get our heads around the ideas and the constructs that were being put together uh, to work out what this actually meant in terms of our business. And so I also understand that really important problems don't get solved until the mental space we're in 
is actually suitable for us to start to think about it properly. Mm. So you can't just say, here's a PowerPoint presentation showing you what to do, watch that and then go and change your business. No, it's all the neurons that have got to align mm -hmm. and have got to shift their wiring because if you're going to move from an uncollaborative position to a collaborative position, a large number of neural networks in your brain have actually got to change the way they're connected to each other. Yes. And that's, that's tiring. And that takes time mm -hmm. and that takes practice because the thing you reinforce strengthens and the thing that you let go weakens, but they do it over time. Mm -hmm. So the other thing I'd say is for people to not need overnight success. If you need overnight success, then that's very, very difficult and very, very rare. I think that's so, so true. And, and, and often we can look, I mean, what you say is true, you know, the, the government being a reflection of that could be in any circumstance, can't it? If something's happening, how am I contributing to that? Can I do something differently? Do I need to change my perspective? But if we want to see yep. change, isn't it important to be the difference, to be the change? And even though it might seem really, really slow, it starts to build momentum and then someone picks up on the idea and starts that. And then all of a sudden, you know, you've got this uh, momentum building with a number of people contributing and there it goes and someone else shares it and someone else shares it on to someone else. And so um, I, I have to say thank you for being that difference because I know that you do collaboration very well and, you know, the successes and the growth of your business has been uh, validated through all the incredible awards that you've been winning for your business and the growth that we see. So thank you so much for, for sharing your insights and wisdom today. If people want to know a little bit more about your business, what's the best way for them to do that? Uh, well, they can check out our website. So that's at successful.com.au. I also have a LinkedIn profile under Ray Keefe, K-E-E-F-E. So they can also go and check that out. We use LinkedIn as one of our marketing angles because we're a business-to-business -business operation. Facebook is not where our customers are. Sure. Um, yeah, we use that for PR purposes. Mm -hmm. um, the other thing I'd say too is if you're trying to promote stuff, PR works so much better than advertising. People are tired of being advertised to. Mm -hmm. But telling good news stories and sharing positive stuff I think works uh, a lot better these days Oh, absolutely! and it makes the conversation a lot easier when you finally meet. Absolutely. Well, thanks once again for coming on the show. Okay. Thanks, Anne-Marie. It was a pleasure. And there you go. That brings us to the end of another show. I'm sure that you can tell that Ray is very positive and he's got incredible uh, foundations that he's put into his business and that's continuing to grow. So certainly go and check out the article that we mentioned and, and also connect with Ray on LinkedIn and also the website successful.com.au. We'll put all of those links on the show notes. To get to the show notes, ambitiousentrepreneurnetwork.com forward slash AES211, ambitiousentrepreneurnetwork.com forward slash AES211. If this is the first time you've joined us to get it for a show, it really has been an honour that you spent some time. I know that you've taken away lots of great insights from today's show. Join us again next week when we'll have another fantastic guest expert, entrepreneur who's doing incredible things in their industry as well. Other than that, it's bye for me. See you later, Ray. Bye, Anne-Marie. Hi, it's Anne-Marie. Have you enjoyed listening to the show and have thought about creating your own podcast so you too can become an influential voice in your industry, but you just don't know where to start? I've created a special gift just for you. It's my free mini training, Podcasting with Purpose, where you'll learn what you need to do to stand out, be heard, 
and influence your audience from your very first podcast. I'm also giving you my step-by-step podcast production workflow checklist, including the tools I use, as well as a checklist of no-cost and low-cost tools to get you started. To access, go to annemariecross.com forward slash mini training. That's annemariecross.com forward slash mini training. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.